You're listening to episode number 60 of the Purpose Gathering Podcast. In today's conversation, we are going to be talking about one of my absolute favorite topics, and that is this idea of unlocking the power that you have to prevent your children's meltdowns. And when all of your prevention falls flat, because it's going to happen, it's just life, right? I want to teach you how to actually handle these meltdowns and tantrums with confidence so that you know exactly what to do. Now, most of you are probably familiar with brain research with the idea of the left and right side of the brain, right? The left side is more logical and critical thinking and the right side is more creative. But did you know that there is also an upstairs and a downstairs to your brain? If not, get ready for me to blow your mind. There are actually two different types of meltdowns that your children have, and I cannot wait to share them with you. So if you are ready, buckle up and let's jump right in. Hey mama, welcome back to the Purpose Gathering Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Freehan, and I'm here for all you mompreneurs out there feeling torn between raising a thriving family and building a business you love. I'm a photographer, community founder, podcaster, wife, and mama saved by grace, so I can totally relate to you multi-passionate mamas. Join me every week where I share with you the strategies and mindset shifts that you need to maximize your productivity and find peace in motherhood and business. That way you can have time for the things that really matter, like binging your favorite show and cookie dough. But seriously, are you ready to transform your life from feeling frazzled to focused and be equipped with the tools you need to juggle all the things? If so, you're in the right place. Hey mama, welcome back to the show. How is your day going? Oh my gosh, I cannot believe that I get to hang out with you again for another week. It seriously makes my day when I get to hang out with you. And you know what makes my day even brighter? When I get to hear from you that we've been hanging out. So after you're done listening to this episode, send me a DM, connect with me and let me know that you are listening to this podcast because it helps me feel more connected to you. For those of you that are listening for the first time or might not remember who I am, my name is Ashley Freehand and I am the founder of The Purpose Gathering. Now, The Purpose Gathering is an online community dedicated to support and educate service-based mompreneurs. I know how lonely and overwhelming it can feel trying to juggle all the things while you're growing a business and raising a family. And so it is my hope here that you will leave feeling encouraged and empowered to take action and find clarity in your life for the things that matter the most. Now, in addition to this podcast, I also have a mastermind community that I love connecting inside of and plugging in that community reopens in June. And so I would love for you to join our free community in the meantime. And you can do that over at thepurposegathering.com slash mamas. I'll be sure to put a link in the show notes as well. And I also offer 
one-on-one coaching. And this coaching is an opportunity for mamas who do not have time to kind of dig into content. They don't have time to be in an accountability group and grow. They really need help right here, right now. And that is what I'm here for. So I love to start my one-on-one clients with a 90-minute deep dive clarity call. And during this time, we really dive deep into your business, what it looks like with your family dynamic, what struggles you're having personally. And then we also look at the business side as well and what is working, what is not working, what are your goals. And we work together to create an action plan that fits your needs where you are right here, right now. So if you are interested in learning more, I would love to set up a virtual coffee chat where we can get to know each other and see if working together would be the next right step for you. So to book your free discovery call, head to bit.ly slash TPG chat. That stands for the purpose gathering. So TPG chat. And I can't wait to connect with you. All right, but I know that you came here today because you need some help in the meltdown department. So I cannot wait to really dive into this and unpackage it. Of course, I could spend hours talking about this because I think it is so important and just something that I have a lot of experience with because I have two very strong-willed children um, that give me a run for my money for sure. So when I speak, I speak from actual real-life experience. Now, I wanted to start off by sharing one of my absolute favorite books of all time called The Whole Brain Child, and it's written by Daniel Siegel. And it's an incredible resource. I love it so much that I even took the book to Staples and had it bound. So I don't know if you guys knew you could do that, but you can take any paperback book and they will cut the binding off and they will put like a spiral coil on it so that you can refer back to it. So this is something that I use constantly to refer back to. I have notes in there. I underline things and it's just a really amazing wealth of knowledge. So I'm going to be referring to some of the parts in the book so that you guys can get a really good understanding of this upstairs and downstairs brain that I'm talking about. So children experience two different types of tantrums. There's an upstairs brain tantrum and there's a downstairs brain tantrum. So let me kind of walk you through what that looks like. So the lower part of the brain is fully developed by the age of birth. And it is basically primitive functions, like basic functions, like we're talking breathing, blinking, impulses, like fight or flight mode, um, really big, strong emotions, like anger and fear. All of the basic necessities get taken care of in the downstairs part of the brain. Now, the upstairs part of the brain is more evolved, and it can give you a fuller perspective, like you're thinking, imagining, planning. This is where self-control comes in, self-understanding, empathy, making sound decisions. So when a child's upstairs brain is working well, she can regulate her emotions and consider consequences That way she can actually think before she acts and consider other people's feelings. But get this, remember how the downstairs part of the brain is 
pretty much well-developed, maybe not fully developed, but it's very well-developed by birth. Well, the upstairs brain isn't fully mature until that person reaches their mid-20s. Oh my gosh, you guys. So you can absolutely expect that when your children grow up and move out of your house, they will finally get it together. Oh my gosh. Doesn't that feel like, well, what's even the point, right? Well, I'm going to share with you some strategies that you can use today to help vertically integrate their brain so that you can help them start to recognize their feelings. You can start to help them work through these feelings and you can help them start to prevent those meltdowns before they happen. But if they do happen, because they will happen, how can you handle them confidently? All right, so let's talk about some reasons why kids melt down. Well, they might be hungry or tired. Possibly they need more attention or power, or they feel mistreated and unheard. So those are some of the most common meltdown triggers. So let me explain to you the difference between an upstairs brain tantrum and a downstairs brain tantrum. So the downstairs tantrum is going to be likely triggered by hunger or lack of sleep. These are those meltdowns that are uncontrollable, where if you gave your child exactly what they were asking for, it wouldn't matter. They would still continue to melt down because there's something else going on. It's not just that thing, if that makes sense. So let's say, for instance, that your child is melting down because they don't get that special treat that they wanted. You said no, and they're throwing a huge giant tantrum. Well, if you were to just give them that sweet, right, would they completely be fine and be like, okay, Or is there something deeper going on? Did something happen at school? Did they just get into an argument with their sibling? Are they feeling embarrassed about something else? And was that special treat that you said no to just the catalyst for the meltdown that was already coming? Or is it specifically around the special treat? Now, on the flip side, if you were to give in to that meltdown and say, okay, sweetie, here's the special treat, would they completely stop tantruming? If the answer is yes, you can guarantee that that's an upstairs brain tantrum. They were methodically trying to manipulate you, right? They knew that if they just whined enough, if they just said one more time, can I just do it one more time? Or can I just have one more treat, mom? They, they knew that they could get you to crack, right? That's the manipulative upstairs brain tantrum where they know exactly what they're doing. So as we talk through these next few things, I want you to keep those two tantrums in mind because depending on which tantrum they're having will require a different response. But first, let's get into some strategies about how you can prevent these meltdowns. First of all, be super proactive about giving your children regular meals and snacks. I know for my daughter, if she doesn't eat breakfast right away in the morning when she wakes up, it doesn't go well. There's something going on in her body where she just needs to eat ASAP or she gets hangry so fast. And so I have to be really proactive about her mealtime. My son and I are not 
that bad. So we can wait a little longer to eat. But I have noticed that if I forget to feed her right away, it's not a pretty sight. (laughs) I also want you to keep a consistent sleep schedule for your children. This is super crucial because sleep helps re-energize, obviously. It helps repair the body. And so if your children are not getting adequate sleep, it can absolutely affect their behavior and their emotions and just their whole capacity for handling conflict and disappointment. So a trigger in our house that I've noticed, and I think a lot of you mamas can attest to this as well, is the fact that when we say no to something, it definitely can trigger a meltdown. And so I want you to consider simply avoiding saying no and instead try some of these phrases. Hmm, let me think about that. Now is not the best time, but let's plan on that for and actually give them another time that it would be appropriate to do that and follow through with that. You could say something like, please ask me again tomorrow, or that doesn't work for me, but let's come up with a compromise. Or it would be really fun to have that special treat, but how about this instead? So do you see how that's totally shifting the no to maybe not right now, or that doesn't work for me, but how about this? It gives them kind of an opportunity to have it in the future or think of a compromise. And it just sounds a lot better than, no, you may not, or definitely not. Like, we like to be pretty bossy as parents, and that can really cause a lot of conflict. I mean, I want you to think about it in relation to your spouse. Like if you were to go to your spouse and ask for something and they just blink it said, nope, how would you feel about that? Like, wouldn't you feel a little offended? Like, what? You don't even want to hear my perspective. You don't even want to hear what's going on. You just say no. So think about it from that perspective. Give your children a chance to talk about it and Get their feedback for why they're thinking about that or how did that come to mind. I also want you to be intuitive and get your children's feedback. When you see that they are on the verge of a potential meltdown, I want you to ask yourself, why are they resistant? Is it maybe the way that you phrased it? Is it maybe because you expect them to stop doing something and you didn't give them a warning? Think about it from their perspective. I also want you to ask yourself this. Is this a regular issue? Is this something that you are constantly fighting about? If so, you might need to put some boundaries into place. You might need to implement some family rules and expectations so that your children understand what the rules are. And I want you to lastly think about how can you approach this situation differently? I know with my son, we have a lot of struggles, and one of the things that he is resistant on sometimes is just getting dressed. It can be such a nightmare to 
get him to put some clothes on. I don't even understand what it, why. Like at first it was putting on his underwear. And I think I've shared that in a previous podcast. He doesn't like the way it feels and he doesn't want to wear them. But aside from that, sometimes it's just the idea of picking out clothes. And I will even ask him, can I help you pick out clothes? Or here's two different sets of clothes. Which one do you want? And so sometimes if I'm not super close to him, And reminding him of like, hey, you need to stay focused. What is the task you're working on? He just will be playing or reading a book or doing whatever aside from getting dressed. And so I think approaching things differently and making it fun. Sometimes what I like to do is I'll say, hey, Jaden, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to count to 120. So that's going to give you two minutes. And when I turn around, I'm going to be so surprised because you're not in your pajamas anymore. It'll be like a magic trick. Okay, ready? I'm going to start counting. And when I get to 120, I'm going to turn around and I can't wait to see that magic trick of you. You're going to turn from having your pajamas on to having real clothes on. I can't even wait to see what you choose. So I'll turn around and I'll start counting and I hear him run off in the background and he's going to get dressed because I just approached it differently. Instead of getting into a power struggle about it, instead of yelling at him about it because I know that's not going to work, um, I just make it fun. And so I encourage you to do the same. I also want you guys to plan ahead and schedule in time for things to go wrong. Because isn't that just the worst being a mom and then always feeling like you're rushing and it always feels like at the very last second, you know, your baby has a blowout or your kids can't find their shoes or their jacket has red crayon and glue smeared all over it. And you're like, what happened? Like, why am I just finding out about all of this right now? Why does everything happen at the very last second? And the reason is because things always go wrong, but we don't really plan for those. We don't leave margin in our schedule to actually have accidents happen, to actually have mishaps or lost items found. And so if you plan ahead and schedule an extra time, you will feel less agitated. When those issues arise, you're not going to be so frustrated because you're like, I can breathe. There's time. There's space in my schedule and we're not in a rush. So I can take the time to be patient. Okay, so now that you have a better handle on how to prevent meltdowns, let's chat about how you can actually handle them. Now, kids tend to bring out the worst in us and how you handle conflict with your children shows a lot about how you're taking care of yourself. I want you to think about this. What kind of mom do you want to be when things get hard? Do you want to be the kind of mom that flies off the handle, who's always angry, who is just has a short temper, who is always rushing their kids, like, let's go, let's go, let's go? Or do you want to be the kind of mom who takes it slow and enjoys the, the slower pace of life? and allows your children to make mistakes and learn from them, and to be the mom who your children always remember as the mom who loved them even when they were angry. I can't tell you what a beautiful gift that has been to hear my children say that that is one of the things that they love the most about me, is that I love them even when they're angry. 
Now, I'm not a perfect person. I will be the first to admit that I fall short, but I have made it a very conscious priority to love my children when they're angry. And I say it to them so that they know that. So when they're angry, I'll say to them, hey, I I know you're really upset right now. I love you. And because I love you, I cannot let you treat me like that. Because if you treat me like that right now, you're going to grow up thinking it's okay to treat other people like that. And it's not. And if you treat other people like that, here are some of the consequences that you can expect. But since you're learning, here I am to gently guide you and show you how to deal with your anger. So the very first thing that I want you to do in the midst of a meltdown is to take your emotion out of it. I want you to ignore the inconvenience. I want you to look past the disrespect. And I want you to put yourself in their shoes. I think so often as parents, we are taught and trained that we are the adult. We are the authority. What we say goes. But is that really how you want to raise your children? That they have to be a robot who is controlled by their parent? Or do you want to teach them how to stand on their own two feet and how to have their own ideas and how to handle conflict in the real world? Because what happens if we raise our children to only listen and obey us, they are going to rebel eventually because they are so oppressed and they don't have a say. And they don't get any control. And so I choose to raise my children in a different way where I do expect respect from my children, but I don't expect it at perfection. I don't expect it to be correct 100% of the time because remember, their upstairs brain isn't fully developed until their mid-20s. And it is my job to help cultivate and teach that emotional intelligence. And if I'm just barking orders at them all the time and making them or forcing them to submit, they're not learning long-term conflict resolution skills. They're not learning how to stand up for what they believe in. And so I want you to put yourself in their shoes, see it from their perspective. It might not feel like the end of the world to you, Because you are an adult with a fully developed upstairs brain. But put yourself in their shoes and get a sense for how they're feeling and why it feels like the end of the world to them. I want you to set the tone. I want you to keep a calm and positive disposition. And I want you to lead with love. Avoid snarky or demeaning comments. They will not help the situation. It is okay in the moment when your children is being disrespectful, it is okay to tell them that that really hurts my feelings. Or I say this to my daughter sometimes is, you know what? I love you, but the way that you're speaking to me is not respectful and I do not deserve to be treated that way. No one does. So I'm going to go take some time in my room to calm down. And when you are ready to speak, to me with respect, then I will listen. 
And she's nine, and so I can have a little bit more of an adult conversation with her. But I think it's so important for us to have this dialogue with our children where they know, you know what, you're not being respectful and you're not regulated. I also think it's a really an amazing idea to incorporate a safe place in your home for each of your children and have them help you with this. This could be somewhere where you set up a beanbag chair or a little play tent, somewhere that they can go when they're feeling dysregulated, when they are feeling overwhelmed and angry. They can have this safe place where they can go to calm down. And then they can help you decide what items to put inside that calm down space. It could be some favorite books. It could be a coloring book and crayons, maybe a sensory ball or some sort of activity that they can do that's quiet and calming. At the dollar store, we bought some of those pinwheels that you can blow into and it turns and they love that. Anything that you can incorporate with breathing exercises is really great. It's so important for you to figure out what works for your children. I know for me that if I'm trying to walk my children through breathing exercises when they are in a heated meltdown situation, it's not going to work. I need to wait until they are a little more regulated. And so sometimes that just means space. That means time away. But I don't believe in putting children in time out solely for the reason of If they're having that downstairs brain tantrum, which is what most tantrums are, even those upstairs brain tantrums could have a downstairs like issue as well that you might not be aware of. But I want you to really think about these. I want you to start to keep a mental note and actually take it a step further because mental notes get forgotten. Actually make a physical note. Write it in your phone and type out every time that your children have meltdowns and write what is the trigger. Did they wake up early from their nap? Did they wake up early for the day? Did they skip a snack? Did they have some type of food? So I want you to start to see a pattern in what type of meltdowns they're having because it's really important as their mom to recognize those patterns for them. They are not equipped to know that yet. They can't tell like, oh, I'm just really hungry right now. I'm sorry I lashed out. They don't, they don't understand that. And so if you're keeping a record of that, you can start to formulate patterns and you can start to be better at preventing those meltdowns. Okay, so let's talk about some of the things that you can say during a meltdown. So I want you to empathize and show compassion. Things like, I know it's really hard when you don't get your way. You really wish that you could blank. Try to redirect their attention. Sometimes they just need time to think, right? They just need time to play. So that calm down area is a perfect opportunity. Now, I want you to think a little outside the box here. Imagine that your child is melting down. You're probably in a heated discussion. You probably, this is probably the last thing on your mind, but I'm telling you it works wonders. Connect with your children and get them laughing. When we laugh, it releases the same endorphins as crying. And so if you can get your children laughing, that is the absolute best. 
One thing that I've done with my son before, and this was totally on a whim, was he started stomping his feet at me. And so I stomped my feet back at him and I said, fee fi fo fum I'm super angry. I'm going to get you. You better run. And he thought it was so funny. I was just doing it kind of because I was mad, but also because I knew that if I could just get him laughing, it would totally dissipate the crazy outrageous meltdown. And so boys process their feelings with aggression and physical activity. So getting them running, playing hug chase, where you run around the house and if you catch them, you grab them and give them a hug and a kiss on the cheek and say, I got you, I love you. Also, jumping jacks. This works for girls too. Kicking a cardboard box, anything that uses physical activity, throwing a ball into a basket in your house, going outside and playing football, um, chewing crushed ice, all of these things um, kind of ignite the sensory, the big um, sensory motor skills in our children, and it can really help just shift their attention onto something else. Read a book with them, draw um, or color a picture, wrestle on the bed, Call out a funny word. Okay, this is hilarious. So my kids used to be horrible about fighting in the backseat. And they did it all the time because they knew it got my attention. Well, one day they were fighting so like bad, like physically, that I just yelled out the word butt cheeks. And my kids busted up laughing. Like they could not stop laughing. And I was like, what? What are you laughing about? And they thought it was hilarious and it broke the tension and they were done fighting. And now you might be like, oh my gosh, I would never say that. Okay, pick a different word. It, it got my kids' attention and sometimes when things are heated, I'll just yell it out because I know it'll get a laugh. I want you to also look into the future with your kids, okay? When then statements work really well. So if your child wants something and you're okay with that, but they're not done with what you've asked them to do, you could say, when you are done cleaning up your room, then we'll go outside to the park. And it leaves no room for interpretation. You told them when they do this, then they will get this. And so I love those statements. And if my kids say, you know, continue to whine, I will just say, repeat the statement. When you are done cleaning your room, then we can go to the park. It works beautifully. And I also love to say this to my kids, when I don't allow them to do something that they want to do, I said, well, guess what? When you're older, you get to make all your own decisions. And I'm sure that you'll have ice cream for breakfast every morning, right? Or I'm sure that you'll go to school with no underwear. Whatever it is that they really want to do, I paint the picture of what it will look like in the future. Now, when all is calm, this is when you're going to circle back and teach the lesson. Keep it short and keep it sweet and let them know what it is that you're trying to teach them. And then I also want to encourage reconciliation. So if there's ever anything that you've said that wasn't the nicest or maybe you were in a bad mood and maybe they put you in a bad mood, right? And you said something that you didn't mean, apologize. Model that skill. That is such an important skill. And I want you to also teach them how to also apologize. I don't force my children 
to give apologies because I don't think it teaches them anything. It just teaches them to say I'm sorry to get out of getting in deeper trouble. But I really think that if you set the tone and you say like, hey, are there any words that you'd like to say to me? Sometimes they'll say I'm sorry. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes they'll just say I love you or I was really mad or I felt this way because, you know, maybe there's not an apology, but that's okay because you're modeling it and you're telling them, you know why it's important to apologize? This is why. This is what it does. This is how reconciliation helps strengthen relationships. So I hope that you have learned a few things inside of today's episode. I know it was kind of a long one, but I couldn't leave any of this out because I feel like it is so crucial and it is something that we deal with on a regular basis. But if you can take the time to take care of your children's needs and prevent those meltdowns, you're going to see a big shift in your family dynamic and the way that you interact with your children. I also hope that you've taken some tips and strategies for how to handle those meltdowns with confidence and how our response is so key and crucial to what plays out after. If we maintain a calm disposition, it diffuses the fire. It teaches our children that it's okay to be angry, but it's not okay to lash out with our words or our physical bodies and harm someone. If you feel like you need more guidance and you want my perspective and my hand inside of your family dynamic, I would love to hop on that free discovery call and chat through anything that you have going on in your family right now that you need help with and strengthening. Maybe you're having repetitive meltdowns. You're having repetitive arguments with your children. I am here to tell you that you are not alone and I am here to support you. You can book that discovery call at bit.ly slash TPG chat, and I can't wait to connect with you more. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to take a screenshot of it, share it out on Instagram, and tag me at The Purpose Gathering. I would love for you to help me spread the word so more mamas just like you can learn how to prevent and handle meltdowns because even though they may be happening daily, doesn't mean that they have to. As always, Mama, I am here rooting for you, and you are not alone on this journey. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Purpose Gathering Podcast. As we end our time together, remember that you were created for more. You were created to thrive with purpose and not just survive. So go out there and live your life with confidence and courage. For more resources and to become a part of our amazing online community and connect with like-minded mompreneurs, head to thepurposegathering.com slash resources. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to subscribe to the show and leave me a review on iTunes. Each review is so valuable to me and helps more mamas like you find the show. I'm so proud of you for listening and investing in your future. Together, let's link arms and make a lasting positive impact on our families and communities. You've got this, girl, and I can't wait until next time.